lovely listeners, and welcome back to Overshare. I am Genevieve, your guide on your journey to self-actualization. It has been a minute. We have been away for the Christmas holidays and also for the New Year's. I hope all of you had a wonderful holiday season with your loved ones. We are actually going to be talking about narcissism for the whole month of January. I am very, very honored to have a knowledgeable expert, I believe, uh, about this topic. We are going to be tackling what narcissism is today, how to define it, how to define it, and how to spot it. I have here with me today my guest, Shannon Gertz. He is the leader of a divorce support group. He has it every Tuesday. And just to share with my listeners, that's how I met Shannon. I was actually a part of his support group for probably about six months, maybe almost a year. Uh, My lovely listeners don't know I went through a divorce. This is the first time I'm actually talking about this. So whole on my show. Um. Went through a divorce about two years ago and I needed the support and I came across Shannon's group on Meetup and was there pretty much every Tuesday to kind of get my my life together, my mental health together. And I just kind of thought, who better to have on the show today than somebody who has such a wide range of experience with different human beings, different human experiences and heartbreak, to be honest. So... And with that, Shannon, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, mid-50s, grew up in Houston, Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, graduated same Houston State. I actually uh, double majored um, in film and psychology. Uh, never finished the psychology degree. And would you believe, I, I realized only within the last year that my favorite class was Intimate Relationships with Dr. Roland Miller, you know, and... Actually, he was such a great teacher, too, that I it was one of those classes where I never had to pay attention. I mean, I never had to take notes. Never had to take he notes. He was so good at how he taught, and even the examples, you would remember them verbatim for the test. You know, you could just, I think that's probably just something in all of us that we gravitate to the courses that we're meant for the most, that you don't have to take those types of notes. But anyway, I would... <clears throat> I would go on uh, to move, uh, let's see, north to McKinney, Texas, and I met my wife in Plano, and we were together probably 17 years and went through a bad divorce, you know, and um, when it came time, probably about, I'd say 2000, you know, I saw the end coming uh, probably seven years before it happened and tried to prolong the relationship for the kids. Don't we all? Well, I don't have kids, but, Uh, Anyway, so I... um, I'd say toward the end, the last two years were even worse than the prior, you know, uh, let's see, tough times. And in the end, she sent me a text meant for someone else. I remember the story. <laughs> I remember the story from yeah. group. Yeah. yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, that's one of my, I love telling that story. I get, so I look down at my phone and, and I'm looking at all this lovey-dovey stuff. Yeah. And I'm looking at it like, what? You know, and then, and then <laughs> I, I don't, and then I get another one. And, I, and again, I'm like, and then. The bubbles were actually popping up for the third message when I realized, oh, it's not she's for you. texting her, her lover or whoever he is. And yeah. I wrote back, you do realize you're texting your husband, you know. So then an all-out war started. 
And then, um, you know, I, I would say because I saw the end of the relationship coming home, was never really brokenhearted about the end of the romantic relationship. I was brokenhearted because I didn't know what would happen with the kids, and they were so young at the time. Yeah. That killed me. But I thought at one point, you know, people go to support groups, and I've always had this great love of psychology. Let's go and see what one's like. You know, so I went, went to one that was very close to here uh, in location to the studio, and um now, I, I came to appreciate what I thought they were doing right, what I would try to improve upon. And then, you know, as luck would have it, the guy that originally started the Fort Worth group, he was getting ready to drop out, and he sent a mass text uh-huh. to everyone saying, hey, does anyone want to take over the group? And I did, and that's when, how it started. When was that? When was that, Shannon? 2015, somewhere Oh, okay. I, for some reason, I feel like you've been doing this forever. Well, I mean, that's a, that is pretty still a long time. It's been, you know what, there's a counter on Meetup that tells you how many meetings oh. and stuff you've facilitated so far and there's more than 400 something on there so for as far as doing it a long time probably not technically in terms of years but a lot i was even surprised how many meetings i've done you know and just for my lovely listeners shannon's support group is you can access it through meetup it is every tuesday night unless otherwise the you know something that comes up but every tuesday from seven to nine and right now because of covid we're still you're still doing the zoom the zoom meetings right right right. yes i don't see it ever moving away from zoom again because yeah it's so easy easier convenient right but if anyone wants to find us it's on meetup but if you do the meetup app remember you're it's going to ask you to put in where your zip code is and then you have to expand to hit texas mckinney texas or you won't find it you know, the other way you can find us on Facebook, there's a Facebook group called Life After Divorce, which, by the way, I joined a year ago. There was only 7,000 members. We have over 20,000 members, and it's only been a year now. So um, you can find us that way, too, Life After Divorce. On Facebook? Yes. Okay. So there you go, lovely listeners. If you are going through, a, and this is for everybody who is going through a heartbreak, not if, not just if you're going through a divorce or about to go through a divorce or maybe thinking about getting divorced, any of those things. But any type of heartbreak, if you're mourning a relationship, I will say that Shannon's group is great and there's nothing better than hearing people's stories. And that is why one of the reasons I'm doing this podcast is because, you know, storytelling is so powerful. And I I just feel that when you see other people going through their journey or their heartbreak or their tribulations. It just really brings to light what you have to be grateful for. Um, and like I said, it being a part of Shan's group for the time that I needed really, really helped me, really helped me a lot. And it just, it's just kind of a full circle moment uh, again um, to sit here with him across from me in the studio today. Cause it's just, it's very surreal. Cause like I said, there is always light at the end of the tunnel and, and lately, especially with the holidays, I don't know why, but I feel like people are going through a lot of this. I don't, but maybe that's just my perspective. But for some reason, I feel that during the holidays, it pops up more. You and know what's, what's interesting about that is that, you know, I noticed that membership increases. Yeah. Actually happen during this time in the holidays and actually July. And I, I actually called my attorney, my divorce attorney once and I asked him, hey, why is that happening? You know, and he said, well, during the holidays, he said, people are trying to make it one more holiday before they break up the family. And of course, the stress <laughs> is, you know, of, of super hosting high. families and that yeah. it blows up in their yeah. face. But in July, 
He said everybody's jockeying to try to figure out who's going to get the kids and where are they going to school next before the next school. So he said that's why there's a dramatic increase in, in the summer months. Crazy. Yeah. Interesting, the trends and the analytics. I say, I say that too, just with, like I said, even personally on an individual level, it seems like a lot of my colleagues and coworkers and just friends all together, you know, seem to be going through some type of tribulation or something right now. So I just thought this was fitting to start the year off right to identify and what and really define narcissism. But before we go into that, Shannon, anything else you want to tell our lovely listeners about yourself? Oh, yeah. One more thing. I, I didn't even talk about my website. You know, oh, go you, ahead. Yeah. No, as you know, we talked about where to find us, uh, but heartbreaksupport.com. Yes. The great majority of what I teach there, which I have to lead people to from other countries, because I get, you know, when I went, I was surprised when we started doing the uh, Facebook Life After Divorce. I, oh, my God, my phone made a weird sound one day, and I looked down. I was getting a phone call from the United Kingdom. So now we got people joining us, staying till up till 2, 3, 4 in the morning from South Africa, Singapore, you know, all these different countries. And that's when I realized, too, that the great majority, not just in other countries, but it's in the United States, is lacking terribly in divorce support. And I just think overall for mental health, uh, for people to find some type of additional support system than just maybe, and again, I'm a huge advocate for therapy. All of my lovely listeners, please, please, please seek out professional help through a life coach, a psychologist, a psychiatrist, something that can get you through things of this nature, especially a divorce or something traumatic, um, whatever's going on in your life. I'm a huge advocate for that. But Usually people need more support than just an hour a week, which is sometimes all that people can afford. So, I mean, I, like I said, all of my lovely listeners, uh, Shannon's group is invaluable. And if you need that extra support and the website is great, it has so much good information. I actually just sent that to somebody last night and it has a bunch of articles, blogs, videos, just all sorts of different types of resources that can, you know, give you knowledge and, and promote, you know, working on your mindset, which is definitely what we're doing today. Anything else? No, I guess we're good. Okay, we're good. So that's Shannon. And with that, let's go ahead and get into mindset vocabulary. All right. So with narcissism, and that's what we're talking about today, how to define and spot narcissism in your life. I thought this was so important because, again, if you've been listening to Overshare over the past few months, you know that we break down social constructs. And a lot of the times people throw things around a lot and they have no idea what it means. So and especially narcissism, uh, I really think there's a really negative connotation to the word narcissism. And honestly, I was one of those people that thought that if you're a narcissist, it's automatically bad. And I've been reading a book on the run up to this show that kind of changed my perspective. Obviously, I've gone, <laughs> gone through some healing and I've done a lot of inner work on myself. But, and I, I this is why I wanted Shannon to come on today because I feel that narcissism, everyone has some level of narcissism. And I just want to get that out into the universe, into the ears of my lovely listeners today, because narcissism is a normal and pervasive human tendency, right? And just to kind of break it down for my lovely listeners, it's the, the drive to feel special. That, that's how I kind of put it. Like everybody wants to feel special. 
Um, and it just depends on at what cost you achieve that, I think. And that's what I kind of got from this book. And Shannon, you, you can chime in and let me know wh what you think about that. Because that was, this is this was a new kind of concept to me when I was reading this book. I was yeah. like, okay, yeah. all right. You know, what's fascinating to me and remember, well, two things I want to point. Number one, you have to remember, I'm commenting on what is categorized as a mental illness period. Yes, yes. And that's important to remember. Yes. Uh, number two, I would say, you know, the, uh, that everybody is narcissistic about something in their life. Everybody is. Yes. So I refer to narcissism in my group like a, or to narcissism itself like a spectrum, just like autism has. Yes. So some people can be uh, narcissistic about religion, their politics, their hair, I'm definitely narcissistic on how I want to run my businesses. You know, it's my way, period. Yeah. Um, but uh, when I talk about it in group, I'm talking back to the spectrum, to the deepest, darkest end of the people that would actually use manipulation. Exploitation. Gaslighting people. Uh, trying, you know, just uh, putting on, I mean, becoming... Uh, almost professional at putting on a facade about who they really are to your friends and family where you know a completely different person, you know, behind closed doors. So I think the one of the things you said that kind of popped out at me was what you usually see in group, which is interesting because this, this book that I read, and I, mm -hmm. I'll, of course, include the, the show resources, which I always do to my lovely listeners if you want to check this book out. It's a short read, too, only about 200 pages. But it depicts narcissism as a, an obnoxious a, 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 but common personality trait which is like you said there's always some type of or form of narcissism in everyone depending on what they're narcissistic about but it could also be a rare and dangerous mental disorder which a lot of psychiatrists and psychologists call it narcissistic personality disorder or npd and again i totally agree with shannon that narcissism exists on a spectrum this book goes from a zero to 10, you know, and it kind of gives you the synopsis if you're at 10, well, like seven, like eight to 10, then there, you're, there's something wrong. Like in the sense of you have a mental disorder. And again, I'm not advocating anything. I'm not saying that you know, you're diagnosing anything in regards to someone being narcissistic. That is for a mental health professional to do. But I totally agree with, the the spectrum aspect that you talked about. Right. You know, the other thing, you, you said something earlier about uh, narcissism. One of the reasons I think it's important to educate yourself on is you cannot escape being around these people. They're, no. They've been around you your entire life. You know, uh, there are, you know, I always talk about the yin and the yang, yeah. you know, um, meaning that we, we have to have them. We have to have them. They're, in professions that we need, um, you know, there's high, I, I remember this is only my opinion, but I believe there's high concentrations of them in uh, uniformed professions. Yeah, I remember you, you know, saying like military, this in group. police force, <laughs> firemen, uh, not all of them. Um, and uh, they're, they're the surgeon, the brain surgeon that, uh, you know, that saves your dad's life after he has a stroke so he can walk again, so he can talk again. They're, I mean, but on the, and on the other side, you know, we have the white knights, you know, and people that are, um, 
you know, nurses, you know, we have to, the world, I guess the world works in perfect balance back to, you know, we have to have the sun and the moon and, but the yeah. yin and the veins, the yin and the yang is very, very real. And we have to have them. Now the question becomes, can they function in a romantic relationship long-term? And my answer is no, no. Well, just to clarify, are you talking about people who are at the very far end of the spectrum? The, yes. Right. Cause so, I just want to clarify that to my lovely listeners. And you even may find somebody, well, I wanted to ask you this, Shannon. Do you think that, because according to this book, they said that people on the far end, the people that mm -hmm. your survivors and maybe your group deal with or have dealt with or are trying to get away from or out of a relationship with, oh, there's only about 1% to 3% of those people in the world that exist that are that high on the narcissistic mm -hmm. spectrum from right. 0 to 10. So we're talking about people that are, are at a 10. And just to give my lovely listeners some context, someone at a 10, basically their existence ceases if people aren't acknowledging their importance, mm -hmm. they're addicted to attention, and they will do anything to get it. Um, at, at a 10, the, this, there's this level that of humanity that collapses within a person, I think. Um, and they'll posture and have arrogance and there'll be entitlement and there's a level of exploitation there that they'll utilize to get whatever they want so do you think that's true that it's only one to three percent out of the the majority of the population because you that just said on, the yin and yang and yeah that are on the deepest darkest end i would say that's accurate as a matter of fact you know i I think about this all the time. I even tried to run some numbers last night, but I can't find any statistics on it. If you know, if you think about it, the the number of people who join a support group, right? Yeah. I'm wondering about what numbers those are in uh, because the great majority of those people have been abused by a narcissist physically and or mentally. Yes. So what is the percentage of people who would actually join a support group and that those numbers fluctuate even within female versus male because the males are tend not to look for help to begin with. So does that reflect the true 1% of the people? I think it does, you know. So the people who are actually join support groups, you know, they're, you know, it's very rare to have someone who's just brokenhearted and it ended on a good relationship where they hug each other, say goodbye. No, they're coming to support because they cannot figure out what happened. You know, or how to get out of it. You have, those, of you it have those people too. They're trying to make sense out of crazy. Well, and tell us your, tell us your rule about that, Shannon. Well, my rule number one is don't try to make sense out of crazy or you will go crazy. Yeah. You know? And rule number two is uh, you must accept, and this is a metaphor for the listeners, you must accept the fact that the person you were in love with is dead and gone forever. You know, what you're dealing with now is an entirely new human entity and for some of us, a true enemy. And as a matter of fact, if you'll accept rule number two, you will quit breaking rule number one. You know, and the reason I throw the true enemy in there is because when the narcissist actually gets to the discard, when they are done with you, it's not like the normal end of any relationship you've ever come across. It's like they hate you and they want you to suffer now and you're going to pay because they can't control you anymore and they are God and you will submit to God. And also just before we actually move on to tips, tools, and tricks about how to actually spot a narcissist because I think this is important because... I, and I'm just speaking for myself. I'm a very empathic person and I'm a nurturer and I have a huge uh, radar. No, maybe not radar is not the right word, but I am highly attracted to narcissists because of just their 
confidence and their, you know, their outgoing nature and just how they carry themselves. And I've, I work working on that in therapy, um, <laughs> working on it. Uh, but again, you kind of have to accept who you are and why you are that way, which is also a lot of what therapy is about. Um, but I just, I think it's important that we talk about narcissism's definition because I think it gets thrown around a lot, especially now with social media and, you know, psychology. I think there's a lot of things that are coming about. You know, in this book, they talk about extroverts and uh, covert narcissists. Or the, in this book, they, they refer to it as sub subtle narcissists, which is they might not outwardly be so obvious to be a narcissist or have the same, you know, uh, charismatic qualities that a narcissist usually has, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're not narcissistic or you can't really determine where they're at on the scale until you actually get to know someone, right? Or spend time or put yourself at emotional risk to have a relationship with someone. And I think that that's why it's important that we give the listeners at least some type of defense. Well, maybe defense isn't the right word. Self-protection in the sense of how to identify someone or to recognize the patterns in someone. You know, I, I think you brought up a great point about <laughs> almost like you have to enter into a relationship with anyone before you truly realize who they are. I don't, I don't know if anything is going to give away quickly who they... Maybe. Uh, their profession. Maybe. Their profession. <laughs> Maybe. And like you said, that was, I mean, but see, some people might not all, all agree with you. Like if yeah. there is some one of my lovely listeners out there is a cop or <laughs> somebody in that, you know, the, you, maybe they're like, well, that's not me and I'm not yeah. that way. And, but yeah. you know, it's kind of this, that's what I'm saying. There's this stigma of mm -hmm. certain types of people who are narcissistic, like politicians. Yeah. Politicians are very narcissistic. And again, if we don't think about, I mean, we have to think about the fact that if we didn't have any level of narcissism, nothing would get done. We wouldn't have any leaders. We wouldn't have any yeah. movie stars. We wouldn't have any actors. We wouldn't have any musicians. You, There has to be a healthy level of narcissism. And that's what this book is about, yeah. which is really hard for me to accept yeah. because I have dealt with someone who's a nine. A nine I was in a relationship with someone who was a nine. Yeah. And it almost ruined my entire mental state, my mental being. And I'm just being transparent with my lovely listeners. This is the first time I'm talking about this as well. But I just wanted to. Tell them, <sighs> tell them why it ruined you. What, what did they do that brings down your self-esteem so, so they can spot that in case you're dealing with it right now? Well, I, there was a lot of gaslighting and I had, I had no idea what gaslighting really was. I mean, I, I knew the term, but to actually knew to, to finally figure out what it looked like when it was happening. And it's so insidious because they don't do it. Obviously they don't treat you like crap all at once. Right. Because if they can, they right. do that, then there's no reason that someone's going to go back. So, or stay or continue to be in that cycle with them. So, it can't start that early or they can't hook you into the web. Correct. Because you're not getting in the web if Correct. you see it ahead of time. Correct. And that's what I I really had a hard time with because the high, and again, if you do a lot of, if you do some narcissistic research on narcissism, I should say, you'll find the cycle of, you know, what that is when the, the initial stage is, they, they, refer to it as love bombing. So mm -hmm. love bombing is something that happens when you meet that, you know, and you're drawn in, you're drawn into this really charismatic person who's 
nice and they give you all this attention and they make you feel like they put you on a pedestal, which is one of my tips, tools, and tricks. Like, they put you on this pedestal. Well, let's be clear here about what I think love bombing is, okay? That, that anyone who cares about you is going to do that right there. Okay, so that, to me, that's not love bombing. Love bombing is a very aggressive pushing of the relationship way too early. And I'm going to give you an example from one of my members. And she met someone who was a professional athlete. Uh-huh. And it was uh, another uniform profession, you know. And it was like, marry me, marry me, marry me now. And, I mean, really super early. And I got all this money. We'll put the kids in the best school. We'll go to restaurants every night and blah, 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 blah. But it was pushed, pushed, pushed way too early. And, uh, that, and by the way, you talk about signs. That's definitely at the top of my list. Love bombing. You better run. My rule is you better run. There, And just to kind of add on to that, since I guess we're just getting into tips, tools, and tricks now, where we've morphed from mindset vocabulary yeah. into tips, tools, and tricks. I wanted to talk about um, the concept of the mirror or twinning. Um they, a narcissist will always make you think that you're, it's, you're, you're one mind and two bodies because, you know, it eliminates the risk of, you know, being associated, uh, being dependent on someone because you're, whatever you say, they say, whatever you like, they like. And it's like, they're just saying that to exert control over you. And it's not real because there's no way that, you know, or they say, oh, you're my soulmate or, oh, there's no one like you or no one understands me like you. I don't, that's not necessarily a great thing because you're your own, you're autonomous, you're your own person. Even if you are in a relationship, even if you are seeing someone and the whole thing too about what Shannon just said of the a lot all at once, the I want to get married I want to move in. I want to, I don't know, I don't get whatever other example, but just really full force all at once is. A lot of it too. Remember, it's bombing. It's yeah. bombing. It's not like say one thing and then a week goes by. No, it's bomb, 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 you know, just uh, tons and tons of it too early, you know. Um, the other, you know, as far as the other thing on how identifying, you know, the, um, you know, if you ask someone about their prior relationships, I would say, you know, if you meet someone that you're really interested in and you start trying to explore uh, what happened in their prior marriage, whatever, and they try to change the subject or say, hey, I'm not really, you know, I don't want to live in the past. You know, let's focus on, that's bad. Because <laughs> it's very natural conversation to say to someone, hey, have you been married? How many times have you been married? And if they want to skirt that, something's wrong. You know, and I think that that's really poignant what Shannon just said because uh, a warning sign that I have jotted down here is uh, narcissists dodge normal feelings of vulnerability at all costs, and this is something I noticed personally in my last relationship. Uh, there anything to redirect or change the subject or anything to deviate away from, you know, really expressing emotion or talking about emotion or yes um really being vulnerable and because again this is this kind of goes back to the whole nature nurture like are narcissists born or are they made uh, that's a whole nother that's a whole nother episode i think <laughs> it's a whole nother episode they're made they're well they are made they but, are made that's what mary shelley's frankenstein was about yeah that's what she was talking about yeah 
every epic story has a true root. Um, and I, you know, I thought one day, I don't, I don't know if you read that on my website, I thought one day, you know, wait a second, you know, they're monsters. Who was the most famous worldwide in every single culture and every different language? What is, who's the most famous monster that ever lived? You know, that everyone would know, and I'm sure there's a lot of them, but I thought, well, Frankenstein. And I thought, so I started looking up the quotes on Google Image. What are the quotes to the book? Because I never read it. And I was stunned at all the quotes. I was like, oh my God, oh my God. I mean, it was, I was right, I was right. I mean, she's talking about a narcissist. At first, I thought, was she talking about her husband? You know, what, what's the true story behind Mary Shelley Frankenstein? So I started researching who she was. She was deep into politics. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I just said that earlier yeah. that usually politicians yeah. are yeah. pretty highly narcissistic. To, and again, I mean, they have to get where they get somehow. Yeah. But I'm saying I do think sometimes people are born with certain dispositions as in th- makes them extroverted or introverted. And, and yeah. then whatever they go through as they grow up really shapes how they fall on the spectrum, right? So they could fall. Yeah. You could u- utilize that to be a healthy narcissist. I don't even know. I, that that kind of irks me even saying that to come out of my mouth. But I think, I don't know, after reading this book, maybe I think it's possible. To be a healthy narcissist? Or have a healthy level of narcissism. Well, it- like, like we said earlier, you know, but are we talking about the people in the deepest, darkest end? Are you asking, can those people change? Is that what you're asking? No, I just want people to be able to identify when you come across someone like that. Maybe on the farther end of the spectrum, maybe someone who's a seven or from seven to ten, which would, I don't want to say that they technically have NPD. The dark, right, you right, know, the dark, right, the dark right. person. But yes, those people are the ones that we should be wary of, right? Or we should be self-protective of. So um, the question becomes, when when do you become self-protective of them? So like I said, so we've already talked about, can, can you really see them up front? And we haven't even begun to talk about the covert narcissist, which to me is the most dangerous one. Yes. Um, I've, I mean, I've actually read that they... They do and they don't know what they are, you know. Um, you know, I would say too, you know, but another thing good for listeners about signs of one is they try to separate you from your herd. Yeah. You know, if they start telling you, like, let's pretend your best friend's Michelle, and you're like, you know, do you really like Michelle? You know, really? it, You know, like they try to convince you there's something wrong with Michelle, or maybe they tell you something Michelle said behind your back, and you're wondering, why would Michelle say that? I, I really don't even know if it's true what he, he or she said about Michelle. They might just be trying to get you to get away from Michelle because when Michelle learns who he, the narcissist really is, she's going to tell you, get away from him. You know, so they got to get these people who you're closely involved with out of your life quickly. They which, by the way, which typically sometimes a great sign would be not only the love bombing, we're going to move away from here. You know, meaning getting you away from your family, especially your family, your best friends. Like, we're going to move to another state almost. I would never do that because I'm <laughs> such a Texas girl. But, um, you know, I totally get that. There's this this really, um, that was the way it was in my last relationship as well. I I, I felt very isolated and I, I turned around and nobody wanted to hang around me anymore because of the fact of how volatile and toxic that relationship was so they witnessed it and they decided they did not want to see the abuse anymore i yeah it got to that point yeah. you know it just i mean and again any healthy friend or 
parent, sibling, any support system you have, there's a, there it comes to a point where they can't do anything for you until you want to do something for yourself. So, and that's just me personally speaking because I don't, it's, it looks different for everybody, but, and the moment you decide to walk away also looks different for everybody. Um, you know, that bottom can really be really ugly and bad. And I think that's what's great about group or, you know, a support group because you hear everybody's bottom mm-hmm. or their journey to the bottom. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's, it's, it's eye-opening because you have this outside context and you hear people and then you hear, you know, maybe similar similarities between what's happening to you and happening to another person. You're like, oh God, like that's what happened to me. Yeah. And oh, that's gaslighting or oh, that's them isolating me. Or, oh, that's them not really displaying any type of vulnerability or wanting to be vulnerable or, you know, that's them trying to exert like stealth control. Like they all have, they have to remain in charge of things, especially you, where you're at, what you're doing. Um, Mm. (laughs) That's another one that I would, you know, tell my lovely listeners. If, you know, the person that you're with uh, needs to know where you are at all times and what you're doing every second of the day, or is texting you incessantly about what's going on. I'm going to chime in here. Yeah. Okay, because I'm glad you brought this up, because regardless of whether or not someone's dealing um, with a um, narcissist or not, as far as your romantic relationship is concerned, if someone's doing that to you, and especially if you ever get accused of cheating, and and you haven't cheated, and you're wondering, why does this person that I love so much and that I've been given my heart to could ever think that I did, that they are already convinced that I cheated? Well, it's because they cheated already on you. See, people see you as they are, you know. This book kind of coins what you just said as like emotional hot potato. Like mm-hmm. they don't want to hold the potato and deal with their emotions, so they pass up, they pass the buck on you. It's like this this like volatile projection of whatever they're feeling. Like if they feel crappy, they're going to try and make you feel crappy. Or if they've cheated, then they're going to accuse you of cheating. Or it's like this weird, and that, oh my gosh, that happened to me. I have so many, I have some crazy stories of my ex where he would accuse me of cheating. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Just really outlandish. And then that would lead to him being able to open the door to treat me like crap or emotionally abuse me. And then it would lead me to think, well, maybe I did do something wrong. And then it would be that like mind loop, right? And then I was- Crazy making. Yeah, and you think you're crazy. And it's insane how it happens. And it's so slow. And you'll do anything to get back to that pedestal that you were on, that that they had you on with the the love bombing. You want that, that high. And it really is like an addiction, which is just awful. And I, you know, I, I watched so many, this is going to sound a little weird for, to my listeners, but when I was going through all this stuff, I had a, an affinity for watching documentaries about cults. About cults, okay. Yeah, about cults. And in no way am I comparing my, <laughs> my, my experience or my trauma to someone who may have or, you know, may have been sucked in by a cult, but I could see the same, I could see a lot of similarities with being taken in by somebody and that's like a whole nother level but i don't know i just felt that i was brainwashed i really 
That's how. That's a great analogy. I love that analogy. I've never heard that analogy meaning being comparable to a cult. Absolutely. It's a great analogy. And I will tell you, my lovely listeners, and because Shannon's here and he deals with a lot of people that are going through divorce, narcissists will prey on you if you are, if they know that you're vulnerable and the sense of you're going through a breakup. And I, this is my opinion. I really feel like they have a sixth sense to know if you're in a very transitional period. Maybe you've just gotten through maybe a bad breakup or through a divorce. I feel like they can sniff that out. I, I don't know. Well, let's okay. On that note, if you are coming out of an abusive relationship, yes, and let's say you get into the online dating world, I okay. always tell people. Which, by the way, I don't it's believe. Awful. I, yeah, I don't believe that anyone who is really looking for a future solid relationship is doing online dating. That's just my opinion only. Okay. I agree. But I will tell you this: if you are someone who's been abused physically, and you meet. This, let's just use a female meeting who's been abused, this new guy. Yeah. I tell him, don't you dare tell that story of you being abused. Because if he is one of those guys, he's thinking, got one. Yeah. I got another one now, you know. So you should need to keep that to yourself till you've established trust in a good, long relationship, you know, to figure out who this guy is. Because if he if he's the snake or the, the wolf in sheep's clothing, boy, you just gave, you know, uh, and by the way, you need to talk about about what what the fuel supply is and what the narcissist is looking for because much like the vampire needs blood, <laughs> you know, they, they have to go somewhere else if you're not going to give it to them. Oh, my God. Okay, so this is another thing, too, regarding, you know, and again, we're really talking about people who are at the other end of the spectrum, which is right. people who are who have MPD or may have MPD or, you know, it's really a mental disorder. It's at a level of of an addiction for them to seek out that feeling of specialness of attention. Uh, They can never have enough. Uh, Narcissists will never be able to fill that hole. And if you're not giving it to them, they will seek it somewhere else. Always. Even if you're with them, even if you're bending over backwards, even if you're walking on eggshells, which is another thing that is a tip that, um, you might be dealing with a narcissist is if you feel like you're walking on eggshells all the time when you're in their presence or around them or hanging out with them or talking to them on the phone. Or if you can't tell them the truth. Like let's say say you have an an overbearing mother. Yeah. You know, and and you're not running your life, who has the God complex, who's telling you how you should be living your life you know, and you can't tell her, I went and did this this week because you just don't want to hear about it from her, you know. If you can't tell them, that's a sign. If you have someone in your life that you cannot tell the truth to, and not that you lie about it, but you can't tell them because you know what's coming. There's a possibility there, a big possibility. Yeah, that's true. That's definitely true. <laughs> did I hit something? No, no, I just, <laughs> no. you know, I think about, you know, I all of this stuff, I will say I haven't really... You know, when I was going through my breakup and finally um, separating myself and going no contact with my ex narc, I this was all this all of this stuff consumed me. I had to know everything about narcissism. I had to do look at all the YouTube videos and do all, you know, go look at the look at all the books, look at all the articles, and you know, it's kind of been a minute since I've you know you go through that you go through that wave because that knowledge kind of feeds your 
your soul that's kind of broken because the more you know about something, right, the less confusing it is. You're trying to make sense of it all. And it's just been a minute since I've really kind of talked about all this. I've kind of really, you know, turned my page and started a new chapter in my life, especially with the podcast because I just, uh, you know, Shannon's always preaching or talking about you you need to find something that keeps your – makes keeps you busy you know if you find yourself doing something and you lose track of time like if you're gardening or you know something where a happy list and I had to I've like kind of made that shift where you kind of focus on the the trauma and then you start figuring out what makes you happy and I think that's so hard I really do think it's hard with um, people who have gone through something like this or been married to a narcissist on the far end of the spectrum or dated someone at the far end of the spectrum or have really spent any type of real time with someone who, um, you know, has this disorder. I, my heart goes out to them. I, 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 I don't wish it on anybody. And I feel that. To the people that have the disorder. Oh, though, though, well, them too. I was, I was talking yeah. about the survivors. Well, you know what? But, well, I, wanted, I was talking about the survivors. Well, I wasn't sure because I, you know, one of the parts that, I, I mean, I think what's, I, I believe that when you deal with situations like this, especially divorce and narcissistic abuse, I think one of the recipes for getting over this is that not just that you need a therapist, I think you need a spiritual advisor. Oh, yeah. You know, and, um, and I will tell you this, my spiritual advisor, if I started to complain at all, would hold up his hand for me to shut up, to stop talking. He would say one word always. Do you remember what it was? Compassion. Now, who did he want me to have compassion for? Probably your narcissist. Your narcissist. Because you were in your 40s when you faced your narcissist, and the person who was abusing you was a defenseless child when they were raised by their narcissist. That's true. And that takes time to, that takes a lot of work. Oh, I'm not saying it's easy. (laughs) That takes a lot of work to, um, you know, Forgive. Forgive. Yeah, that's the word. Forgive. Forgiveness is powerful. But I feel like it's more for yourself, like your own your own healing journey. Because you know you can't change them. Like, that's rule number two, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, the, those, the, those. Yeah, yeah, the metaphor about you can't change. No, you know, no. I don't, I don't believe you can change. I, well, you know, I'm actually studying a lot of that right Me now. Me too. That's what this book was talking about. Like, that there are certain people that are maybe, like, on a certain, you know, area of the spectrum where there's hope and like that's really hard for me to wrap my head around because why i want to know why they say there's hope though. do you remember what did you get into that and again they can't be like a nine or a ten like there's, that, actually, there's no like there's it's actually, more like a six or seven like there's actually and i'm not going to get into this today but there's actually a drug at harvard that they're running tests on right now yeah and i believe it's a psychedelic and I believe, and I'm going to use my analogy of how I think this might work, meaning that drug. I think there's a possibility, like, like if you were to open up a skull and look in it inside your brain and see all these wires, and these were the wires that were put there from childhood that led you to picking the difficult partners that you do in your life, you know? It's like when you take that drug, it's like the, all those wires are ripped out, and you get to reprogram your wires again. If that's possible, if it's possible, then that means there is hope. Now, other than that, you know, someone once debated with me, 
and this is a really funny, I, I can tell this because it's really funny. I had a buddy of mine tell me, he goes, come on, Shannon. He goes, you really don't think a narcissist with 10 years of serious therapy can change? And I said, Colin, I go, get back with your wife. And he goes, no. I go, well, why not? I go, you just said you thought they could change. I go, so, so I said, so we've established now that you're not willing to get back with your wife too. And he said, no. I said, so then who's going to be holding the narcissist hand to take them to therapy every week when they think they're not the problem to begin with? So my answer is no, they cannot be cured. That's why my answer on the, on the far dark side of the spectrum. Yes. See, but the, the question is, can, you know, if someone can look and see if they're hurting someone else, whether or not they care, if they don't care. And you mentioned earlier that they can see someone that's hurt. Yes. It's kind of like, you know, in, you know, I think it's somewhere in the Chinese history about uh, what's called a, an aura, you know, that you can see the color around someone. I believe almost, I used to say it's almost like they can see it, you know, and if yours is a big aura, it's kind of like shiny candy to them. It's just yeah. whether or not you're going to give it to them or not. That's what I said earlier. They, yeah. they know, like they, <laughs> they, they, especially, especially if you're empathic, I, I really feel that they're very attracted to empaths because mm -hmm. they know that we're the other side of the coin. We're the, the yang and they're, you know, the yin and yang. They can suck so much energy from us and we're just, and it kind of feeds us in the sense of, cause we want to give and we want to nurture and we want to change someone, right? We wanted to, to, to pour into that. And unless we can really figure out our own boundaries and, you know, how to protect ourselves, then that can lead to, you know, havoc and tox toxicity and just trauma, trauma on both ends. Cause the narcissist is already traumatized he just doesn't want to admit it or is beyond the point of acknowledgement or any self-awareness about the fact that he has he or she i'm gonna say he or she has stuff to deal with in that sense um it's way way beyond that they, way they're, beyond they're, they're god yeah that's it let's make sure we're clear here they're on the deepest darkest end they are god so there's nothing wrong with them at all it's you who is the problem that's yeah. it there's no there's no they they don't reflect on the abusive, I, I'm thinking very now about a very, in particular, gentleman that was raised, I mean, it, by a horrible, abusive mother who discarded him at a very young age. You know, her, his real father left uh, years ago, and then she got into several abusive relationships, and then one of her boyfriends finally said, get rid of that kid and ship him across the United States to his father, who he hardly knew, and the father ended up being worse than the mother. So he got double, double whammy, double whammy yeah. and then he became one. So does, does he look at it like it's a problem with him? Absolutely not. You know, it's his, you know, uh, partner, you know, and yeah, it's just, it's, but he never had a chance, never had a chance. You know. And on that note, tortured artist became a musician. Well, Hey, see, yeah. I just, I, it's, it's just such a vast sea of, you know, mental like mental mental stability to kind of have to wade through I, I feel like you really have to be strong within yourself because like like shannon said these people are everywhere um they're your co-workers they're your friends they're your mother and next week's episode we're going to be talking about that the, the many faces of narcissism and how to cope with that because again it not it, this is not just limited to people who you're romantically involved with this could be your like I said, your coworker, your 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 mom, your dad, your sister, your brother. 
I mean, it's just, it's amazing to think that, um, you know, in the book that I'm reading, there was two, two siblings and one was very introverted. One was very extroverted. They were both on the scale, but at different ends. So she was a zero and he was a 10 and they were raised by the same parents, you know, same kind of experience, but you know, the way their genetics and how they were predispositioned, you know, came about and. That's why that's this whole spectrum thing is I I feel like I'm going to have to do some more episodes about it and and really, you know, kind of dissect it and and give my listeners some some more information about it cuz it's very it, there this all this research with narcissism it's it's very um there's a lot there's a lot to it I think and you know we could focus on the the, the dark end which again that's what we really want to make sure that we're attuned to and aware of and make sure that we're not subjecting ourselves to anybody at that end. Cause there's like Shannon said, I don't, I, and I, I agree with Shannon. I don't think there's any point in being involved or subjecting yourself to any of that because it's just not worth it. And it's not going to change. It will never change. So anything else you want to add? Shannon? Well, I, yeah, I do. You, you, you mentioned something earlier too about I want to. I'm going to mention two things, and and don't quote me on this, but I think in Dr. John Gottman's book, <clears throat> Eight Dates, I think he says that we're. I think he says, if I remember correctly, that we're doomed to repeat the same relationship over and over and over until we realize what our issues are. Yep. So there is a reason that we are compelled to pick difficult partners, and. And then we'll also tell you this. I did consult with a psychologist who I think I, I commonly refer to him as the god of psychology. He's just such a brilliant man. He, I once asked him, how do you know if, if you've picked the right relationship? He goes, he goes, he goes, and remember, this is short, a shorter story. He goes, you're bored with him. And I go, and I didn't really, under, I go, well, you were bored with him. You know, like you're not excited. You know, like when you see the, the piano player or the, or the person in uniform or what, whatever that is that excites you, you know, get you going because you're not excited about him. I go, okay, so you're not excited, but what do you do? He goes, we well, keep going, keep dating him because keep going through it. Eventually he goes, it'll change. But so it made me wonder about all those people who've come to me when they started dating again. And, and I asked them, how did that date go? And they're like, eh, you know, that, you know, and I'm like, Ooh, so we skipped the, eh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> when that might've been, you know, someone that they need to give a chance. So I think it's, <clears throat> I think it's because I don't think it's something like they're really, truly bored with them. Um, I think it's, um, I don't know, it's, that, that's a difficult thing because you hear the thing, the thing that drives me, like one of my pet peeves, I cannot stand hearing, especially from women, my picker is broken. I cannot stand that <laughs> at all. And I'm like, no, that's not, your picker's not broken. You need to find someone to make you suffer the way you need to suffer in order to feel love. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, my therapist would tell me all that. The amount of pain you can tolerate does not equal love. Ooh, I like and, that. And that was something I had to hammer into my head for, a, you know, and I still have to think about that, especially as I traverse the waters of dating especially now which you know i it's i have that's a whole nother episode too that's a whole nother episode by the way two more two more things about about signs i think what you're looking for is someone that when they're learning about you that they hang on to those things like if you say how you like your coffee yeah you know that they almost got it screenshot it keep it and you know or, or what type of flowers what's your favorite color what's your birthday what's your favorite animal when you start telling, 
them things, especially like I'm dating someone now. And when she says something that she loves, you better believe that burns into my brain because I know it's important to her. So if this person's not remembering those things consistently, you know, or doesn't care or ask you more, that's it. See, that was the second thing I was going to say. If they don't ask, how are you doing, Genevieve? How are you oh doing my today? God. This is this is so poignant right now. I mean, how, I, I mean, mean, how can yes. I mean, like you're talking about people in the workplace that they come in and don't get me wrong, there are people, and this is the difficult thing to navigate about. There are people who are very ADHD, which I am too, and if they're yep, blabbing, and they're blabbing, blah, 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 and they never ask you about you. That doesn't mean they're narcissists, but it, it, it to me, it is a yellow flag. They have some sure. tendencies. They might be a higher on the scale. Yeah, yeah the question is, are they going to make you suffer or not? <laughs> well, right. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. You you don't really know. And it's like, I, I get a little weary talking about that because you really have to take an emotional risk, you know? And I, I'm glad you said that because that's where I was going next. Look, and I, I don't want anyone listening to this who's new to the concepts. And you do need to go look at narcissists, research yes. that, research fuel sources and and gaslight you, everyone needs to be educated on that. But in the end, they're going to come back to, what do I do? How, how do I avoid this? And I would say, please don't do that to yourself. Because what I, I'm going to tell you this, in the end, what it's going to come down to, in the very end, you're going to find you cannot avoid pain, period. No. There's no, there's no one in the world who's ever been able to do it. People who write books or give seminars on how to find the right guy. I mean, yeah, they're they're... They're touching onto your control issues to lure you in to make money because there's a huge money market for it. Sure. But in the end, it's like being stuck on the side of a cliff, you know, rock climbing, and you're stuck like you can't see where the next finger hold is or foothold. And you're going to have to let go and take a chance. In the end, you're going to have to let go and take a chance. So what I would say is live and love hard because today is the only sure thing you have. That's true. And I, we've talked about that on Overshare and some of the other episodes with boundaries, self talk affirmations which shannon is very big on you know if you check out his website I, again i all my lovely listeners if you're going through something like this or you're wondering if you are with a narcissist or have any interaction with a narcissist which is probably also another flag that you are with one um is you know check out the resources and check out um you know shannon's website and there's just an abundance of you know information out there about this and just you know, educate yourself and strengthen your mindset, strengthen, strengthen that aspect of who you are. And like Shannon said, um, you can't just live life and not take a risk, you know? So, but I will say, Shan I think Shannon said this in group once that the, the relationship after you're, you know, you get out of one with a narcissist is probably like one of the hardest to be able to have a healthy relationship <laughs> after, <laughs> after going through something like that. So, um, I wonder, um, I, I can't remember what I said exactly, because I, I know this, it wasn't that, it wasn't that, I probably, I, I know I did. Something I, like that, I remember you saying that, you know, give yourself time, don't go out there right away and date, you know, especially mm, after you're. You know what, I've, I've, um, I would say that before, and this is something I debate with that psychologist I was talking about, about, I would say, before, I would say the the rule is you should wait two years after a really hardcore marriage and stuff before you start dating looking for the right person. But that psychologist I was talking to you about was actually an ex-marriage therapist too. And he's like, there is no study. He said, there's no rule. He said he even debated it with his colleagues. Like they said, oh, it's two years. It's two years. Like who came up with that? So yeah. I will say that there are people who come to my group and actually find each other in group and are married 
you know, very happily. And there yeah. are people that need more time. So it's different. Healy looks different yeah. for everyone. Yeah. All my lovely listeners. I, I've, I've been saying that a lot lately, which is, it's weird. Cause again, I feel like I'm, I'm still on my journey to find, you know, happiness. And like Shannon says, every day is a new day. Every moment it's a new moment. And that's all we really have. We can't, can't do anything about the past and we can't control anything in the future. So we just have to work on what we got right now with, you know, what we have to be grateful for. So, all right. So with that, let me, I need, I want to do, I want to do rapid fire because we always do rapid fire. All right. So, okay. I only, I only have three Shannon. So what's the best compliment you've ever received? The, well, the, there's three I think of. So I'm going to say the best one because I just said earlier that I referred to this psychologist as the god of psychology. Yes, yes. And I mean, I, I get, I do get people that tell me you saved me. I oh, do yeah. get people who tell me, and this is, and by the way, this one I'm not bragging about at all. It's actually incredibly uncomfortable when someone says, hey, by the way, I'm so happy now, Shannon, but you don't know this. But when you met me two years ago, I was getting ready to end my life. In my life. Yeah. And when I hear that, that's not a compliment to me. That's more like, oh, my God, I can't believe I missed it. Oh, my God, am I missing it in other people right now? You know, you know, because I, I mean, that's, that's to me, it's horrifying that I could have missed it, you know. But the biggest one, I think, is that psychologist once, I got him to sit in on group just to get his opinion. He was extremely oh, complimented, cool. complimentary about yeah. it. Extremely. And that meant the world to me. But what really blew my mind is the next time I would talk to him, he started going over my rules with me and he was asking me to explain them. And all of a sudden it hit me, oh my God, he's using my rules to help his patients. patients. Yeah. So to me, that was the biggest compliment. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Uh, fill in the blank for me. Vulnerability is. You know, I saw this earlier and I wanted to stop thinking about it. So I would be um, authentic in the response, you know, genuine. Uh, meaning I didn't go look to find it to look at the definition. Vulnerability is... Uh, you know, opening yourself up to possibilities to, um, about no fear, you know, cause we talk about how people, when they get hurt, you know, when you get hurt, you start tending to shield yourself, you know, um, you know, you, it's about, it's about, I'm going to give you an example from my life. Yeah. The in particular lady I'm dating now. Yeah. I've written her a lot of poetry and, uh -huh. and, and even songs and stuff. That's something that I forgot was a part of me and has been gone for over 30 years. So to, to do that, to really open yourself up is to, is, it, you know, these things are there, but you don't want to give them to anyone because you've been hurt before and you don't want that taken from you. So to, to give yourself complete every aspect of yourself, you know, the full spectrum, as we talked about, you know, and risk, I guess, risk. The emotional risk, yeah. every risk. Jeez. Yeah, that's, that's good. Uh, and last one, what's on your nightstand? Golly. This is like the weird, quirky question I've been asking everybody lately. Okay, so does everyone say an Apple charger cord or what? <laughs> Usually <laughs> it's like a lamp and, yeah. you know. Golly, you have multiple books. Yep. Yeah. Apples of Gold is there. Are you familiar with that one? Uh-uh. I found that one when I was probably in my 20s. It's just full of, I'm a man that lives by sayings, you know that. Yeah. And um, uh, matter of fact, my favorite ones, we, we're all where we are today because it is truly where we want to be. Okay. Yeah. Second favorite one is chaos is an illusion. Both of those are not in the book, but apples of gold is full of sayings like that, that I have put little notes and tick, tick marks by, by the ones that spoke to my soul. 
Yeah. You know, um, psychology today, today magazine based on, you know, how we think, or I think it's like how we pick our relationships, you know, within ourselves. Uh, there's, I think, um, Dr. John Gottman's book, you yep. know, eight days was there cause I wasn't finished with it. And I think, uh, a journal I keep, you know, no pictures, no. Oh yes. I'm sorry. Of course. It's a picture of my kids, kids? you know? Yes, of course. Of course. And a lamp. Lamp, sticky notes for taking notes. Everybody the says they have water too. Everybody's like, I have water yeah, on my nightstand. Uh, empty glass of wine or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> whatever right. the day the uh, day dictates. Huh? Yeah. 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 All right. Well, we are at the end of the hour because it always goes by so fast. I just want to thank Shannon for taking the time out and coming on the show today. Thank you too. I, re- I really, really appreciate it. Again, this is I. I can't express to my lovely listeners what a full circle moment this is. And it's just crazy just to think about where I was at mentally about a year and a half ago to now and trying to do all these things and, and kind of give my lovely listeners the support they need with their mental health and their mental mindset. And we're just, I'm trying to cover as much as I can and just give mental tools to everybody that's willing to listen and, Hopefully they take what I give and work on it and actually put it into practice because that's really what matters. We can talk about it all day until we're blue in the face, but you have to do the work and you have to do it every day and you have to be consistent. And I promise you, I promise you, there is light at the end of the tunnel. And like Shannon said, today is all we have. So be grateful and, and know that you can be happy. You can always be happy. You can always be happy about something. Make your happy list. So it definitely, it definitely helps. So next week, like I said, I just want to let my lovely listeners know we are going to be talking about the many faces of narcissism and how to cope. And I am going to have another guest on, of course, to uh, share her story and her experiences and to give my lovely listeners some tips, tools and tricks on how to to deal with that. Uh, Also, make sure to add me on Instagram. It's overshare.podcast. I'm, again, so grateful for Shannon coming on and taking the time out to tell his story and give his expert advice. Please go check him out uh, at his website, which is what again, Shannon? Uh, www.heartbreaksupport.com. And again, if there's anybody out there listening that needs some extra support for through group, uh, check out Meetup. You can find his group on Meetup. And again, it's on Tuesday nights from 7 to 9 p.m. And it's through Zoom, so you guys really don't have an excuse. Super easy to log on. He's very communicative. He'll reach out. If you need to reach out to him directly, he'll respond to you. So like I said, check it out. If you need the support, there's no shame in needing more support for your mental health. It's the most important thing you have. All right. So with that said, the light within me honors the light within you, my lovely listeners, and have a great Monday the rest of the week. And remember to always, always speak your truth fiercely and with vulnerability.